Hi, this is Pastor Steve Lance from Noble Assembly of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that this message from God's Word will bless and enrich your life. series here in the month of January, as we do every January, we talk about stewardship for the, the months of, or the weeks of January. So we're going to begin a series today called 2020 Vision on Stewardship. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 1, verse 16. This verse is going to be our theme verse for all of the series. It's not just for today's message, but for each of the messages we'll be sharing in the month of January. John chapter 1 and verse 16 says, From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Can you say amen to that? We've been blessed. We've been blessed. Father, we just pray your help and your anointing upon the message this morning. I pray, Father God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to grow in our relationship with you and our understanding of stewardship, for we want to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when we come but stand before you. Bless the preaching of your word, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive, in Jesus' name, amen. As I said, each January we endeavor to remind ourselves of the responsibility of being a good steward of all the gracious blessings as we just read about that God has put in our hands. And, you know, even if we don't have a whole lot uh, by this world standards, we are rich if we have Christ in our heart. Amen. And we are really rich compared to about 95 percent of this world. If you live in America and you're here, then you're you're in that top five percent of people uh, in the world that have uh, so much more than everybody else. So we have been blessed. The first thing we must understand if we're going to have 2020 vision about stewardship is who owns it all. And that's the title of the message this morning, who owns it all. You know, ancient law provides that the creator of anything is the owner by right of that act of creation. And that's why we have copyright laws. If you have written a, a piece of a poem or a work or a novel or music, they have copyright laws. If you have created a new product, they have a patent. If you have a created an identifying brand or a symbol, they call that a trademark. And those are protect the creators of those, of those products and to enjoy all the rights that are derived from that creation. In Genesis 1 and 2, we it records the act of creation whereby God made everything in existence. In John chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Now, the world seeks to not believe that so that they won't have to be accountable to him. And so the world has come up with all kinds of ridiculous ideas about how we got here and such as evolution and other crazy theories 
that have no proof so that they don't have to be accountable to God, the one who made everything in the first place. But the word of God is clear that God made everything that exists, period. And interestingly enough, as time goes by, more and more discoveries are happening to actually confirm the truths of this book. Since God created all things and predates anyone else, he alone holds the right of ownership. Look with me at Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. So the first point of this message are six points today if you're taking notes. The first point, number one, is all the earth is God's. All the earth is God's. But man has been given dominion over the earth, which means control or rule. In Genesis 1, God gave control over the earth to Adam. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. <clears throat> Adam even had the responsibility of naming the animals. I kind of wonder how he was able to do that and how he come up with like the name elephant or hippopotamus. You know, bear or lion seems to be more something you could come up with, but some several syllable uh, name like a hippopotamus elephant, you got to wonder how he come up with that. I'm sure the Lord helped him. I'm sure the Holy Spirit gave him ideas of what to name these animals. It, it says in Genesis 2.20, he gave names to all of the livestock, all of the birds of the sky, and all of the wild animals, but still there was no helper, helper just right for him. And we're, not, we're going to talk about the last part. Uh, we know that God made woman, and you know how the Adam named woman, right? He saw her, and he goes, whoa, man, you know that, you know that. We were going to talk about that today. But the, the, the man was giving dominion or control or power over uh, God's creation and with that power and control comes responsibility. What is it in some one of the movies? With great power comes great responsibility. I don't remember what movie it's from, but I just remember that. So we are to take care of the earth. We are not to pollute the air and the land and the water. We're not to tear it up. I mean, I, I don't think Christian people ought to ever throw trash out the window. Okay, I, I, am, I can't even do that. If I, if I throw anything out the window, it is a piece of paper that is so tiny that even a bird would have trouble finding it. You know, like the little end of a straw that you tear off. Maybe I've done that. But I can't throw a bottle out. I, I get aggravated when I drive up and down our road in front of the church and see all the bottles and the trash and mattresses sometimes <laughs> that people throw out. How do you do that? I would be so convicted I couldn't do it. So I just, you know... My, my opinion, I don't think we ought to pollute. However, we are not to worship the earth as a lot of people are doing. A lot of people think almost worship the earth, worship the trees, and, 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 and things are, are more valuable even than creation, than human life. 
There's more laws protecting some bird even than human beings that are born in the womb. And so in a lot of ways, uh, you've got to be careful. You don't swing the pendulum too far one way or the other. But we are to be stewards of the earth that God owns. Secondly, all wealth is God's. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Psalm 50 and verse 10 says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And one preacher said, and he owns all the potatoes under those hills. So he owns it all. The bank account may have your name on it, but God owns the money in that account. Your purse or wallet is in your control, but the green stuff inside belongs to God. The way we use his money is of great interest to God, and we will be held accountable for how we handle it. And we're going to talk more about that later and in future sermons, uh, and especially next Sunday. Thirdly, third point, all people are God's. Earlier we read in Psalm 24 that not only is the earth the Lord's, but all the people belong to him as well. In Ezekiel 8, 14 or excuse me, Ezekiel 18.4 says, For all people are mine to judge. All people are mine to judge. Now, God most earnestly desires to establish a special relationship with all men and women through the cross of Calvary. But he claims that all people are his property. Okay, but all people belong to God, but that doesn't mean all people are going to heaven. Only those who accept his gracious gift of salvation through his son Jesus' death and resurrection will be saved. So he has provided for all men and women a path for their salvation and fellowship with their creator. People just have to choose that path. He wants to be your heavenly father, not just your creator. The choice is ours to make. You have a free will, and you can accept or you can reject God's gift of salvation. Furthermore, furthermore, you, can also, you also have a free will concerning how you treat his stuff. So you can accept or reject these principles of stewardship that we're talking about because you have a free will to do it. He's not going to force you to honor him with what he's put in your hand. He's not going to force you to do things his way when it comes to money and our possessions and our talents and our time. He's going to let you choose. But you know what? If you choose to do it God's way, you'll be blessed. How many of you found that to be true, that if you do things God's way, it just works out a lot better? If we start thinking we're smarter than God and do it our way, we're going to fall flat on our face. So we are blessed if we do things God's way. Number four, the responsibility of the steward. Now, steward is a word that we don't really use much today. We understand the word better, manager. And that's a word that's used all over. There's stores have managers, banks have managers, grocery stores have managers. You know, there are managers, and that really is the same thing as a steward. Now, historically, uh, <clears throat> The responsibility of the steward, Genesis 15, 2, is the first role of stewardship mentioned in the Bible outside of Adam in the garden. Adam was to take charge of all the garden, and we've talked about that a moment ago. 
But after that, it was Abraham who selected his servant, Eliezer, to be his steward and to take care of all of his property. Later, Joseph, who was Abraham's great-grandson, he became steward over Potiphar's house. Remember that story? He became the, the one in charge over Potiphar's house. And then he put, was put in charge over Pharaoh's house after the, the Lord helped him uh, be uh, uh, vindicated for all that was, he was accused of. He eventually was put in charge of Pharaoh's house. And finally, he was in second in command to Pharaoh himself in Egypt. So he was steward over the land of Egypt. Many years later, Daniel was taken as a slave. And because of his brightness and God's favor, and I believe some fasting had something to do with that, as he, he was a person that fasted and prayed, he became a high-ranking steward under King Darius. And so the stewards or managers have no rights of their own. They only acted in the name and in behalf of their masters. Now, in the New Testament, very little has changed. Not all stewards were slaves, but the duties were the same, whether you were bought or whether you were hired. And so if a steward made a decision, it was in behalf of the master. And so how does that look like today? Today, as I said, stewardship is, and being a steward is not something that we really hear a lot, not a title that we use much, yet the same principle is at work in our society. You think of a bank loan officer. The money that he or she loans isn't theirs, but it's the owners and the depositors in the bank. That loan officer is simply stewarding or managing that money. Officers of a corporation make decisions on behalf of the corporation to benefit the, the people in that corporation. Or like my friend James, who manages Super C. He doesn't own the store, but he manages the store and has for many years. Biblically, and as Christians, and as citizens of God's kingdom, we manage or we steward what God owns. Remember our sermon series verse, John 1.16, from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Some of those blessings are ours to enjoy, but God owns them. God owns our time. Okay, We are to be good stewards of our time. We are to be good stewards of our talents. We are to be good steward of our treasure, our money, God's money. I say our money. It's actually God's money. He just, we just manage it. You say, well, I earned that money by the sweat of my brow, by my brains. God gave you the ability, the energy, and the brains to earn that money. So he owns it. Our very lives are his blessing. The Bible says we are bought with a, cry, with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So our very body, our very life doesn't even belong to us. We're managing it. I'm, I'm managing this body right here. And sometimes I don't do a very good job. And sometimes that, you know, I do better than other jobs, other times. And so we are managers of everything God has given us. And that brings me to my, uh, to my next point, the evaluation of the steward. Now, Jesus told some parables about stewardship. In fact, he told quite a few parables that talk about money. Uh, one of those is found in Matthew chapter 25. Let me turn that I didn't get that turned to. Matthew 25 and verse 14. You've heard the story of the talents where he gives the first guy five and the next guy he gives two and the last guy he gives one. 25, 14. 
and 15. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them. You see that? He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. I think that's key right there. He divided according to their ability. Then he left on the trip. So in essence, in essence, you know the story, the guy that got five, he went out and earned five more. He put it to work. He was a good steward of what he had been given. The man who was given two talents of silver, he went out and earned two more. And they both were commended. The manager returned and said, man, good job. Well done. I'm proud of you. High five. But the last man, he went out and, and he buried the money. He didn't even try to use it. He buried the talent of silver, didn't do anything with it. And the Lord or the master wasn't very pleased. Look at 24, Matthew 25, 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound like a very good place to be, does it? We want to be good servants. We want to be good servants of all God has put in our hands. And one of these days, we will all be evaluated by how well we handled what God gave us how well we handled our life, how well we handled our time, how well we handled the spreading of the gospel. We are to be missionaries. We are to be winning the lost. We're going to be judged on how well we went about winning souls, what we did with our money, what we did with the, the things God put in our hands. We're going to be judged by that. I want, to hear, I want to give you a few points about that coming judgment or that coming evaluation. Number one, Stewards or, or managers are never held accountable for duties not assigned to them. You're never going to be judged on something you weren't assigned to do. Okay, that's, that's, that's really good because sometimes we try to compare ourselves with others, don't we? Stewards are given duties according to their abilities and their potential. We are not all created equal in the strictest sense, only in a general sense. We say we're all created equal. Yeah, we are in a general sense, but in a, in a strict sense, we're not because this person has been given this abilities, this person has given this talents, and everybody's different. We all have been different talents and gifts. We all have different traits. Some of us are tall. Some of us are short. Some of us have brown hair. Some of us have blonde hair. Some of us have red hair. Some of us have no hair. You know, we all have different traits. We all have different IQs. Some people are just smarter than others. Some people have a knack for doing one thing well, and, and somebody else doesn't have a knack for that at all. You know, I, 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 I uh, agree that I have a talent to sing, and I like to sing. But you ask me to go out and, and do a valve job on your car, I'm going to be in trouble. You know, you won't have a car. It won't run. Or go build you a doghouse. It won't look like a doghouse. That's not my skills. But everybody else has, 
everybody has their set of skills and their abilities and their talents and things that the Lord has given them. We will not be held accountable to God for how we compared with others, but how we performed in light of our own abilities and opportunities. That's why we should never compare ourselves with other people. And it's easy sometimes as ministers to compare yourself with another minister. How, you're, how you compare, well, how come your church isn't this big, or how come you haven't been given this much to missions? And sometimes you can get into that, and I've, I've, I confess I've been into that in the past. And I've, I've prayed, Lord, I, I just got to be me. I can't be Jim McNabb. I can't be Frank Cargill. I can't be Richard Gherkin. I can't be anybody but me. Help me to be the best me I can be. Amen? And so the Lord uh, commended the first two servants for what they did with what they had. For a person with many talents to feel justified in producing the same as the person with limited talents is not justified. You can't say, you know, the Bible says of whom much is given, much is what? Much is required. So if a guy feels justified because he's done just as much with a guy that didn't have a lot of talents given him, that's not justified. Nor is it for the person with limited talents to feel bad because they don't match someone else with more. That's wrong as well. Here's the bottom line. Everybody say, what's the bottom line? I'm glad you asked. Do your very best with what you've been entrusted with. Give your best and don't compare yourself to the rest. And last of all, the characteristics of a good steward. Let me give you four. I call these the four best abilities. The four best abilities. First of all, dependability. This can be called faithfulness. Are you dependable? Are you faithful? Can God count on you? Are you faithful to God? Are you faithful to his word? Are you faithful to the church? Are you faithful to tithe? Are you faithful to witness? 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul told Timothy to entrust and teach the truths of God's word to trustworthy people. Or the King James Version says to faithful men. God's calling upon us is to be faithful, to be dependable. Jesus commended the servants by saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He didn't say, well intended, thou good and faithful servant. He didn't say, well, half job or, or halfway job done, half, halfway done job. I'll get it right in a minute. He didn't commend him for that. He said, well done. It's what we do for the Lord. And mind you this, God says what we do, and, and he talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount and giving and praying and fasting. He says, what you do secretly, God rewards you openly. He says, man may not see, people may not see what you do, but God rewards you openly. God sees everything we do and don't do. God sees your faithfulness. God sees your dedication. And he and he's going to judge us one day on how well we did. Right? And that's what the word says. Yeah, Christians are going to be judged. It's not just the unrighteous is going to be judged. They are, the great white throne. But Christians are going to be judged on something called the Bema seat. And that's where we stand before Christ and we're going to give an account of everything God put in our lives. Can he count on you? Dependability, the first characteristic of a good steward. 
The second characteristic is availability. Just being available is a huge step in an area of being a good steward. Just available. I'm here. I'll do whatever I can do. Lord, I, I, want, I want to be available. If you tell me to do this, I want to do it. I want to do my very best. I want to give my best. I want to serve my best. I don't want to be half-hearted. I don't want to be negligent in what you put in my heart and the talents you put in my hand. Available. Thirdly, accountability. A good steward knows they are accountable and wants to be commended. If you're working a job, you want your boss to be happy with your service, right? You want him to be pleased. I was telling somebody this week, uh, when I was growing up, <clears throat> my mom would always, in the summertime especially, we were home, my brother and I, we were teenagers, and she would leave us a list on the counter of what to do. Steve, underline, Roger, underline, and all these different things we had to do while she was at work. Fold the clothes in the dryer, you know, put up the dishes in the dishwasher, vacuum the house, dust the house, you know, we had all these things. So you say, man, you did, yeah, that's why I'm such a good housekeeper. My mom taught me well. Now, we had all these lists we had to do. And if we didn't have it done, by the time she got home, we were in big trouble. And so uh, we, we always tried to be good kids and, and tried to get it done. Well, every now and then, my mom maybe wouldn't make that list that day. And so uh, she, would, she would come home, and we would, about an hour before she would come home, we would say, you know, we didn't have a list today, but let's... Uh, Let's see how much we can do of the house. We got one hour before she walks in the door. So me and my brother would be running. We'd be grabbing the vacuum cleaner. We'd be cleaning the toilet bowl. We'd be, you know, just doing whatever thing we could do. And then just before she drove in the driveway, we would jump on the couch and turn on the TV to the Gilligan's Island or something and, and have a Coke in our hand and act like we hadn't done nothing all day. You know, we want it to look like we're the lazy bums of the earth. It was just a game we played, but it was fun. So she'd come out, well, I see what you boys been doing. We'd just try not to laugh, you know. So she'd go looking around, open up the dishwasher. Wow, oh, nothing in there. Well, open up the clothes dryer. Hmm. Well, she'd notice the streaks on the carpet. Have you boys uh, been cleaning house for mom? Yeah, mom, you like that? Oh, you guys are great. You're such good sons. <laughs> we loved hearing her say that, you know. We loved hearing, hearing her being surprised. And I think we ought to treat God that way. I don't think we just ought to do the bare minimum. This is the bare minimum to get by. I think we ought to say, God, I want to go over the top. I want to open that, God's going to open that dryer. Well, you've already done it. Going to notice that the, the trash is out or whatever, spiritually speaking. You know where I'm going. And, and say, God, I want to hear you say, well done. I want to see you smile. That's what stewardship's all about, is being a good steward and making God smile with the way you're using his stuff, the way you're using your talents, the way you're doing your responsibilities, the way you're treating your family, the way you're loving those who may or not be very lovable. So many things that we have to be accountable. And the Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, it also affects others. It says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. People watch you. People watch your life. I was telling, I think it was a Sunday school class last Sunday. 
that I remember when I grew up in the church in Enid, when I was, we started going to that church when I was about 10 or 11. And right here, um, it, was, it was three sections, so there wasn't four. There was a middle section and two side sections. So this section right here, on the third row, right here, there was a whole row of silver-haired seniors. I don't know what they did. I don't know if, you know, I, I really wasn't concerned and, and interviewed them or anything to find out what all they did. But I remember them. You know what I remember them for? They were always there. Every single Sunday, I remember that row of silver-haired people in that row. The Allens, the Beemans. I can remember some of their names. The Dodds. There. You know what that said to me? It spoke a great message to me. That church is important. That faithfulness is important. And I remember it 50 years later. I don't know what else they did. I don't know if they taught class. I don't know if they... Worked in the nursery. I don't know what they did, but I know they were on that third row every Sunday. You see, what we do affects others. We are accountable, not just to God, but we're accountable to people around us. And fourth ability is responsibility. Take what you've been given seriously. God gave you all you have with seriousness. Now give it all back to him with seriousness. Do it as unto the Lord, whether it's teaching or leading or helping or giving or cooking or sewing or singing or playing or visiting or running the video or the sound or mowing or praying or fasting and so on and so on and so on and so on. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. You are responsible to him. What God gave you is his gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. In conclusion, to sum it all up, we are servants serving Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can we give Jesus a big hand of praise? Aren't you glad to be his servant? We are his servants. We are his stewards. We are his managers. We have responsibility and gifts given to us by God. What we do with what he has given will be rewarded. Some will get lots of rewards. Some will get a few rewards. And there's one place in the scripture that says some will just barely come through the gate. Like Ronnie, you were talking about saying some will just barely come in by the skin of their teeth. That's Steve Lance paraphrase. But anyway, it's in there. You go home and find it. <laughs> I think, it's in the, I think it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, maybe. What we do with what we have, what he has given will be rewarded if we are found faithful. There's an old poem that says, "'Tis only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else is going to pass away. Your million-dollar bank account that most of you have, It's going to be gone one day, and it ain't going to be there. Your big house you live in or your little house that you live in, one day it'll be scrap heap. That nice Porsche or Jaguar you're driving or Mustang, maybe not Mustangs, no. They're all going to be in the junkyard. They're all going to be rusting. The only thing that's going to last forever is your eternal soul and what things you have laid up in heaven. The good things, 
the rewards, the blessings that you pushed on ahead into heaven? What good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Amen. Amen. Father, I pray that you help us be good stewards. I pray, Father God, that you help us to remember that we're going to stand before you one day and we're going to give an account of our service. We're going to give an account of what we did with everything you put in our hand. And Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that you own it all, that even when things aren't going too good, maybe financially, and I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills, if I'm faithful to you and I tithe and I do, it's your money. And you will bless it. You will bless my obedience. For you've given me everything that I have. Lord, I want to give that back to you with everything that's in my heart. I want to serve you, Lord, without any regrets. We just thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth, showing us how to live, showing us how to die, shedding your blood on the cross so that we could be saved. And Lord, we're coming to the communion table just now. And we're going to be saying thank you. We're going to remember you. And in a way, we're going to be good stewards of that blessing. Good stewards of that blessing in that we return thanks to you and honor you and praise you for putting our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, for giving us a home in heaven, for forgiving us of our sins, and for the joy that we have in serving you on this journey from earth to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.